Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, it is the 8 o'clock news with me, your host, Joe Fortunato, uh, here to report breaking news that the New York Rangers are in sixth place from the bottom, technically fifth with the tiebreaker, uh, and that gives them a 23.3% shot at a top three pick. We go live to the scene now with our interim field reporter, Mike Murphy. Mike, what do you see down there? Uh, they're, they're playing terrible hockey, Joe, but you know what? Um, at least no one's getting hurt. Back to you. You didn't even say anything that I called you the interim news reporter. I mean, I was trying to I fire broke, you. No, I couldn't. I couldn't hold down that job. I didn't. I don't know. There, there used to be like actual. I don't, gotta, I don't got one of those faces for television. I got like one the, of those. Uh, and yes, those my daughter is for, currently on my lap. She for should like be a, for a shrimp soon. boat. Yeah, there are I'd people. I'd be a good who, shrimp boat captain. That's what I should be doing. Well, could you be a captain of like a regular boat? I mean, if I put my mind to it, I'm sure I could. Yeah, but then, like, like a shrimp boat captain is no different, I would assume, than, like... I mean, I guess it's a little different, but it's still a boat. Yeah, I mean, boat's right there. Second word, shrimp boat captain. But can you do, like, you know, the crab boating? Like Sperm whale hunting? Although hunting whales is bad. Like, Like deadliest uh, catch? Could you do that shit? Ah. I mean, I think you need to smoke, like, 19 packs of cigarettes every day. Does a ship captain really do anything? Honest question. You go down with the ship. Well, yeah, uh, but if you had to do things, ship. like, you had to do things to become the captain. I'm not... I think it's a, it's a unique thing, because it's the, it's the maritime world, right? So, you have a, a chain of command, and when you're the captain, like, what you say goes. So, you have to be someone who's just, like, a natural leader and or... Someone who's very overbearing, and uh, people confuse that with natural leadership. So I would be a terrible captain, as it turns out. I would be the greatest captain with my natural-born leadership ability. I'm not very confrontational, but um, I know a thing or two about a shrimp. Well, I, like I, I don't, I know a captain has to work to become a captain. Like they gotta, they gotta scrub the poop deck and so on and so forth. Yeah, you work your way up. You work. But your way up once you become a up. captain, people just do it. Like you don't actually even drive the boat. I don't think. Like cruise ship captains just hang the fuck out. I'm pretty yeah. sure. You have a helmsman, and he minds the. Uh, yeah, the they like they do all that stuff, and then that's the end of it. Yeah. There's no real like you're not you're not actually like a race car driver drives. I don't know. Like an oil rig captain, I guess, would be kind of different. I've always sort of been infatuated with big boats, like an oil rig or one of those natural gas tankers that just goes across the ocean. Have you ever seen uh, Captain Phillips? Uh, I have not. That scares me. Well... I don't want to be taken over by pirates. Well, if you're considering a life at sea, that might be a reality. Yeah, but he's like... What boat do they take over? Um, A Maersk boat. Forget. Yeah, it was it was uh, small, wasn't it? No, it was a giant boat, man. Oh, it was a giant boat. It was a big shipping boat. But how many crew members were there? Well, that's the thing. Those big boats only have, like, essentially, like, a dozen guys. Yeah, see, like, on a cruise ship, you'd have to get through the whole crew, which I guess if you had guns would be sort of easy, but, um, yeah, interesting. So, anyway, uh, speaking of captains and rudderless ships and all that fun stuff, the New York Rangers suck, and they are losing games ugly, and it's good, really good from the tank standpoint. The Rangers are sixth from the bottom. Uh, they're technically fifth because they've played two less games than Anaheim, hmm. and the Rangers have less wins. The Rangers have 28 wins. Uh, Anaheim is 30. So they One Anaheim, win in the last 10 games, Joey. They're 1-5-4. and four. All that's, those loser points. That's not good. Mike, talk us through, like, it's good, but it's also kind of bad. Talk us through that. Well... You know, like I remember when I was writing about, um, just for you know, shits and giggles, the Deadline Survival Guide for Banter, and I made some comment about like in an ideal world, the Rangers would both lose games but do so in like an entertaining fashion, and in a way where like the kids are developing, and you know there are lots of silver linings, like oh, you know what, we're losing, but look at Brett Howden, he's really rounding out his game, and you know, uh, positives within that, uh, and like what we've seen really. Since our last show, because the last show we were just talking before you and I started tonight's show, that uh, we we did the last show during the Oilers game on Monday. Um, but it's been three pretty brutal losses. The the Calgary loss, of course, was just uh, the greatest debacle of the bunch. Um, I think what was the it was something like the Rangers. 
in terms of the shot share, it was like 62.32 for Calgary to the Rangers 37.68. And the final score was 5-1. to one. And it wasn't just Kachuk. It was just a nightmare, that game. Um, but it's one of those things you... you it, ideally, you want the Rangers to lose. They've been they're doing great at, in that regard. But there's a lot of these little things where you just keep seeing repeated mistakes from some guys, or you you keep seeing the same things that are getting to be frustrating. And like you can see the weight of that frustration in post game interviews with like Hank and uh, and you know even even Coach Quinn, you know, talking to the media afterwards. Like this is something that is hanging heavy over their heads. And that is very clear. Um, but what is so interesting to me is we keep seeing, you know, repeated mistakes from, you know, Neil Pionk just to, just to have one guy, not to single anyone out, but just to say, you know, that has been something that's gone on with, with Pionk and, um, you know, with costly turnovers and, you know, whether or not, you know, I feel like some people think we, we were a little too harsh on Neil Pionk sometimes, Joe, but... Um, We've been pretty much dead on in that regard. Yeah, but even I, when he was doing well, we we had a very similar, like uh, very similar perspective on him. Like we knew what he was because that's where he is right now. But the, the general hope is that he can get better, and you know he's young enough to develop his game and become a more effective defender, especially in the neutral zone and defensive zones, which is the zones that he needs to simply be a better hockey player at because he's not really an NHL-level defenseman in those zones just yet. With that being said, his entire skill package makes him an NHL-level defenseman because he is that good in the offensive zone. The problem is he can't get himself there um, like a guy like Tony D'Angelo can, you know, where they make make it happen, they get involved in the offense. Pionk just needs to be there, for example, like an offensive zone face-off and the power player, what have you, and that's just something that's persisted this season, right? That is ultimately the death of, like, it's so much easier to be a, a defensive player who doesn't really add anything to the offense but can handle things in their own zone because ultimately that's really where the nuts and bolts of hockey are in terms of the eye test, right? Um, Peon can put up offense, although how much I think is up for debate at this point, but his enormous struggles in his own zone are, are what we're noticing. It's what you and I are seeing. It's hopefully what the coaching staff is seeing. And that's the problem. If, if you can't defend, you can't get out of your own zone. You, you're going to have a bad time, as they say in South Park. And that's kind of what have we've a seen. Bad time. If you French fry when you're supposed to pizza, pizza. you're going to have a bad you're time. You're going to have a bad time. And, and, and that's ultimately what we've seen with Neil Pionk. And it's amazing to watch this transformation of all these people who thought that, you know, Tony D'Angelo was, oh, he sucks and he's not going to, you know, he's not going to be anybody that we can rely on. And Neil Pionk is the next coming to turn around and see this, you know, right now. And uh, look, I am. The Rangers are losing, and it's good that they're losing. I agree with Mike. It's not good the way that they're losing, but it's It's good that they're losing. And they are in a very tough part of their schedule right now. They're playing playoff teams, and we kind of expected this shoe to drop. But now that it has, and now that we're here, it's, yeah, it's ugly. But the Rangers also, in the past week or so, have upped their chances of getting that top three pick to 23.3%. And that's a really big deal, too. And that's something that I think a lot of us really haven't taken into consideration yet that, and, and we'll kind of get to this in a minute, but just talk about that, Mike, um, while I chase down my daughter who just ran into the kitchen. Oh, that's good. Yeah, that is that is a big deal. Um, and that's an important thing to keep in mind for the big picture. It's, it, you know, the Rangers are not trying to tank. Um, you know, they, they obviously made the moves they made which significantly, you know, stripped the team of its talent and therefore its quality. So they definitely downgraded in a way that they didn't put a priority on winning as so much as building for the future. And some people say would say that in itself is tanking, and they're kind of right. But it's it's more um, the meta approach to you know dealing with things like your organizational depth and using the draft and all that stuff. So I've returned. But, I don't know what you said, okay. but I'm back. Um, I was just talking about, you know what? You'll listen later, Joe, but I'm, I'm I will. a little point. Um, it's, it's a bit, it's a bit brutal to watch them lose 
in such an ugly way, especially because uh, really, the, the, like the way I feel like watching these games, and I, I had to watch a couple of condensed games uh, for one or two of these ones. Um, I think I was really able only to watch the um, what is it the the first game that that you know I, I didn't see the Calgary game, and after seeing the result, I didn't want to. I saw the the Canucks game, but um, the way these games have gone, and the thing that makes it so rough is that you know Lundqvist is just just getting left out to dry and the same is true of you know Georgiev when he's in net and it feels like we're we're seeing this team really go through a really ugly patch that in the long run is probably a good thing um but there's very few silver linings thankfully uh, one silver lining I know we wanted to talk about Joe other than of course the fact that you know, they now have a one in four chance maybe of getting one of those key lottery picks. But one silver lining of the last uh, few few weeks, really, I would say now, right, is the play of Pavel Buchnevich. And that has been... Just a damn monster. That's yeah, what he is. It's, he's now up to 17 goals. Um, and it wasn't that long ago when, you know, there was just kind of... Some people mentioning like, oh, maybe the Rangers should consider moving Buchnevich, um, you know, or just trying because like if if he's not going to fit under Quinn, then what good is he here? Now we're starting to see Buchnevich kind of step into the role that we are waiting for him to get to. And I want to make it clear, like the way the first, I want to say, you know, two fifths or three fifths of the season went is not entirely on David Quinn. It's also on Buchnevich, but Quinn, I don't think, you know, I would say it's a 50-50 thing in terms of why Booch had the start he did, and of course then, you know, the injury has to be factored in as well, but to see him play the way he's been playing lately, you know, uh, Valaket did a great job on MSG kind of breaking down, you know, where these chances are coming from. He's He's not just being the perimeter player that he was that electrified us with his ability to see things and be creative and make those passes. He's adding this dimension to his game where he's going to the net. He's finding goals. He's scoring from the slot. It's not just these kind of creative bang-bang plays. He's he's the guy who's going to go hard to the net and find those chances. He's getting those breakaway opportunities. And it's very exciting because he is still 23. And we know how important it is to for this team to develop some offensive threats and it's really nice to Literally think of a world anywhere. where, yeah, it's really nice to think of a world where Buchnevich is a, a really well-established scoring line winger when Kravstov gets here. I mean, that sounds like music to my ears. And Quinn deserves credit for that. Not that you're taking it away from him, but we've had a long conversation about the impact that David Quinn's kind of coaching metrics have had. And, and I even wrote a whole story about how the tough love isn't working for Buchnevich. And uh, I was wrong, it appears, because it, it is working for him and he's playing really well. And it's, like Mike said, music to our ears to kind of see it and live through it. Um, it's also really important for the Rangers because they, they need every sniff of talent they can get. Not even elite-level talent, which they also need, but general talent. You look up and down this score sheet, you have Zibanejad with 67 points, a ice-cold Chris Kreider with 49 points, and then the next two leading scorers are Hayes and Zuccarello, who aren't even on the team anymore. VC has 35 points in 71 games. Buchnevich has 30 points. Did I say I 34 points in 71 games for VC? Buchnevich is 30 points in 55 games, and that's kind of where it comes down to. Then you get into the 20s. It's been the Zibanejad show this entire year. And, you know, D'Angelo doesn't help the cause there. He's got 27 points in 52 games. You really wonder what that would be like if he was able to stay in the lineup. Shattenkirk starting to heat up. I think he has 11 assists his last 16 games. Ryan Strom playing better hockey in New York. Um, it's it's a lot for the New York Rangers right now to get a guy like Buchnevich who can kind of solidify himself back into that top five in scoring contention. And that's not a lot to say about this hockey team right now, but it is a lot to say about Pavel Buchnevich because this is different. And Mike just told me in the chat he has five goals in the last eight games. So, But it's not even the goals. It's not the assists. He's playing really well. That's what's important right now. He's playing well. And 
it's great. Like I want to see the Rangers score a million goals and lose every game because it just yeah. it helps them with the tank. But I wanted to bring up something to you, Mike. We're seeing a little bit more of frustrated Henrik Lundqvist, which I think we're, you know, we were expecting. Can I just say that I I fucking hate. My mom listened to this podcast. She uh, she was going to Seattle, and they, my parents really don't listen to it, but she listened to it just for something, you know, to do. And she was like, "You really curse a lot on the podcast, so that's why it's explicit, folks." Um, I fucking hate the oh Lundquist is a diva narrative. What is he supposed to do? Honest to God, what is he supposed to do? He's not showing up teammates. He's not fucking pushing people into the boards and screaming at them. He's yelling at them, sure. He's doing it to everybody. It doesn't matter who it is. And there's nobody... Like, Lundquist yells at himself. It's not like you're getting any different... It's one thing if it's a player who isn't really working hard and, you know, doesn't put the work in. If anybody can yell, it's Henrik Lundqvist. And I don't know... Why is he not supposed to be frustrated? That is literally what makes him great. Come on. That's really what we're going to talk about right now. The man who agreed to be here, who wanted to be here through the rebuild, who wants to be a Ranger for life. You're going to give credence to that. And I'm not even talking about the man baby section of New York Rangers Facebook that's coming up with this shit. Who's doing it for views and whatever else he can do because none of them have friends. That's I'm not even talking about that section. I'm talking about genuine in the know should know better people who are saying this stuff. You're insane. You may not like it. I don't love it. It is what it is. And you're the same people who ran Stepan out of town and Callahan out of town and McDonough out of town because they weren't vocal enough leaders. And now Lundquist does it and all of a sudden it's a problem. Just spend what little time left you have with him enjoying and admiring what is maybe one of the greatest goaltenders ever to grace the earth and easily the best New York Ranger to ever grace the earth. Just enjoy it. That's all. I mean, you got you got worked up. Are you okay, bud? I did. Well, it just it. I I ignore it when it comes from stupid places because f- like there's no point in you wasting the brain cells of somebody who goes on a block spree anytime anybody talks to them or talks about how many followers they buy or whatever it is, and then doesn't want to deal with it. That's fine. You want to be a moron? Go be a moron. Do it where I can't see. I'm not naming names on purpose. I'm not going through anything on purpose because there's no point in giving them the time of day. But when it comes from people who should know better, it's just it's it's infuriating because that narrative does not need any help to be pushed down the fucking mountain. Well, it's peculiar to me because like this is not a new thing for Henrik. Um, and like you said, his competitive nature is kind of what has made him Henrik Lundqvist. That he demands the best from himself and his teammates. And I honestly think that's not a bad like that's not a bad element to have on this young team. Like for them to know that like, hey, you can't fuck up over and over again. You're gonna like you know, it's I'm going to give you grief because you have to know. That this is not acceptable in terms of like what your goaltender needs from you and what your team needs from you. And like some people would say, let the coach do that, let the coach coach. But like it, this team doesn't have a guy wearing the C on his jersey, but everyone knows that Lundquist is the captain. I mean, Mark Stahl is the quote unquote de facto captain, you know, because he's, you know, worn the A in every game uh, he's played and, you know, he's been here forever and all that stuff. But like Lundquist is the guy. It's he's been the guy, frankly, you know, before McDonough got to see really like he's he's the guy here, and I really don't have an issue with him treating these games like they're playoff games. Um, he's not in every night, like you know he's he's more or less in a timeshare now with Georgiev, and that's a good thing I should point out, and now. You know, we're seeing him blow up like this and, and get fired up, and it's fine. Like, I'm, I'm here for it. It's, I think it's a good thing. It's not being, you know, a drama queen. It's being an intense professional athlete. He, this is the way he, like, pushed himself 
towards excellence in his career is he demanded like that level of play. And when the Rangers couldn't score any goals for all those years in the playoffs, and Lundqvist was the guy who was just the MVP of every period they played in playoff hockey, no one was complaining when he got fired up. And just uh, if he he's did the not, same guy, he's just a little bit older, and the team around him is a lot worse. If but he he's did not guy. demand it of himself, it would be different. Very different. It would story. be very yeah. different. But to sit here and insinuate that Henrik Lundqvist believes that other people are more like I, you've seen this man take fault in the media of himself. He's been critical of himself before. He he, he again. He wants to be here. I, I would be, if you went back and counted how many times he said I had to be better versus how many times there are those little, you know, gifts on Twitter where he's berating, you know, a player or yelling at a player in intense, like, I know the one everyone always will always talk about is him and Stepan, um, you know, where Stepan kind of yelled back at him, but like, uh, if you count how many of those instances there have been versus how many times he said after a game, like, I, I need to be better for this team. Even after it was so evident that he was not the problem, uh, I feel like it would be pretty skewed towards him, you know, putting that pressure on himself. And you know, after a while, you you gotta put some pressure on the guys in front of you, especially when you have a young defense like this, and you have a lot of young guys in the lineup who are trying to figure things out. And I mean, you don't need to be a rocket scientist, show to look at the, you know, how the Rangers have played, you know, this season, both before and after the deadline. To know that they are just a bad team when they don't have the puck. Yeah, I really think the a people very who, bad team. who went into this season expecting the worst, like no, hoping for the best, sure, but expecting yeah. the worst, like they're the people who got through this and were like, oh, like I get it, okay, that's fine, like we're here, we expected to be here. Yeah, um, it's the people who who oh, you're always going to be contending for a playoff spot with Henrik Lundqvist, who are looking around with their mouths agape, just like, well, what's happening? Well, nothing. This is exactly what we all knew was going to happen. Um, all right, let's move on to happier topics. The New York Rangers signed Jake Elmer. Not related yes, to did. Elmer Fudd. Not related to Elmer Fudd. So, um, I almost called him Elmer Fudge, but it's El- Elmer Fudd. Um, Elmer Fudge. Elmer is a bit of a late bloomer, taken from Adam's story. Adam did a bit of a, a little mock-up of him. Uh, the man is 20 years old. He has 81 points in 68 WHL games this year, including 39 goals. Um, looks like he's a guy who can kind of drive play a little bit, hell of a shot, can skate well. There's a really important point to make with this, and here's the quote that Adam got from a, a scout from Western Canada. Quote, decent gamble, certainly a bit of a late bloomer, good IQ, good skill level. Um, anyone signed at this point is certainly more of an organizational filler than surefire NHLer, but he's a better bet than they've made in the past. End quote. And that's the big thing. It, there's a reason why Elmer was undrafted. There's a reason why Elmer was available to be signed. And there is absolutely nothing wrong with the New York Rangers taking a flyer on a guy like this. He's centered by Dylan Cozens, who is potentially going to be the pick after um, Cabocaco and Jack Hughes. Yeah, so that's going to be a very special player. Should so. tell you something there. But uh, I think Evan did his like he has a chart that shows how much offense flows from one player to another, and not a ton of Elmer's offense, a fair amount of it, but not a ton of it came from Cozen. So it does seem like yeah. Also worth mentioning, um, just looking at his <clears throat> some of his numbers from prospect stats. Uh, you know, he's twenty five primary assists with those 39 goals so only 16 secondary assists 25 primary assists that's a good it's a good thing that's definitely something you hope to see is that primary point production you know especially in in the canadian hockey leagues and um you know i know there's very very interested in what you know i haven't had the time to do it yet but i want to look take a much closer look at what his shot numbers look like because uh you know there's been some interesting work done lately that you know the amount of shots in a game might be uh, essentially the best way to predict success uh, from the AHL to the NHL level is, is how you generate shots. But um, obviously we're not talking about the AHL, but I've been looking at prospects. I've been paying a lot more attention to that. Um, you know, and Adam in his piece said that he's not necessarily a guy, um, uh, Elmer, I should say, is not necessarily a guy who's going to beat defenders one-on-one. But as you said, Joe, there's a big wrist shot there. Uh, he is a winger. 
Um, and that is something that is valid on this team, you know, as we just talked about with Booch and, uh, you know, he, he's 6'1", so he's not the biggest guy, but, you know, it's not like he's a super undersized guy. Late bloomer, nothing wrong with finding a guy like this, I think. it's uh, This doesn't cost you a draft pick, and the Rangers definitely, I feel like, missed out on uh, a couple of really interesting guys who were college free agents, and they went with Elmer, and um, I don't have too much issue with that. I re- you know, uh, we talked recently about some of the guys I really would have liked them to look at, uh, from college free agency, but uh, that just wasn't going to work out. I thought those guys would be great, especially because of the team's need to fill out the ranks in Hartford. But um, and, having and to, Elmer is something, and yeah, something's no, better than nothing. It can't be overstated that even on the highest end of the players that were added in the NCAA this year, they're, they're of the similar ilk of Elmer. You're yeah. not talking about surefire NHLers. This is not. Yeah. Remember that a lot of people, I think, hear NCAA free agent and they think Kevin Hayes. It's not. It's very, very different. Yeah, they think Tory Krug and they yeah. Think, this is these uh, are guys who yeah. are not drafted, who are seniors in the NHL. And That's really what it the comes reason down is. To. Is often there's something something yeah, amiss, right? They're either a really late bloomer or they have very poor skating or they're undersized and not just in terms of oh. NHL front offices think backwards. They don't think short guys can make an impact. And then, you know, we see what guys like Zuccarello and Tyler Johnson can do in this league. But there's more to it than that. There's guys who are not just undersized, but they have very small frames. They get rocked and bounced around a lot in, you know, NCAA play. And then you ask, you know, how the hell are they going to do in the NHL or even the AHL? But uh, having someone like Elmer, I think, is a good thing. I, I want them to do this more. Frankly, I just want them. Well, to I was going to ask pick you pick their they, shots and and get the best guys they can get. And it feels like Elmer's not a bad gamble. From, yeah, from this this makes you feel like they're doing the right things. No, yeah. this makes you feel better about the rebuild. Like this is exactly what they should be doing. And Elmer, he, he's he's weird, man. I mean, Lethbridge, I think, is a very bad, um, or at least was a very bad WHL team. He had as an eighteen-year-old. He had 16 points in 46 games. Last year, as a 19-year-old, he had 37 and 70, but then put up 13 and 16 playoff games. And this year, there was an obvious eruption in his offense. And sure, there's some alarm bells that Dylan Cozens is is sitting next to him. Yeah. But I do think that there is upside here. And the Rangers have 43 contracts right now, so they should be taking bets on stuff like this. There's no it's, reason not to. There's no There's the no fail thing. here. There's nothing. He is, I should point out, he's, you know, uh, one of the things I like about prospect stats is they'll tell you the rough age of the player. So he's, you know, 19.7 uh, in terms of years of age was when he started the year. He turned 20 on December 31st. So he is 20, but he's a pretty young 20. You know, he's only been 20 for... Uh, three months now. Yeah, I think so. if he was born one day later, yeah, right, yeah, he would he have would been be... eligible for this year's draft again. So, yeah. um, it's just another, or maybe one year sooner. However, that yeah, works. maybe just so. Another... You can look at him as like a a, a late round draft pick. Oh, well, he like got uh, yeah, exactly. He would have probably cost a fourth or a fifth round pick this year if he was eligible. Uh, so yeah, the, you, you save, you get that pick a, for a free, and you don't have sure. to worry about it. There it is. That's that's it right back. Given here. the number of goals he scored this year, um, especially, you know, I was looking at his numbers compared to other guys in the, uh, the WHL, specifically primary points. And, you know, he comes in right now at 13 in terms of primary points and all strength for the WHL. Um, so that's, you know, that's, uh, that there's, a, I mean, this is among forwards, I should specify, but that, that deserves attention. I mean, putting up numbers like that is pretty darn good. Uh, and especially the, the goal production. I mean, there's a, a whole slew of guys who match his production and have more goals, but, uh, a lot of those other guys are either already picked or they're going to cost a draft pick. All that Elmer cost the Rangers is an entry level contract. It's a good move. And they have tons of them. So there's no... If he doesn't work out and all he is is a guy in uh, Hartford that maybe helps their offense for a year, two or three, it's still a good move. Yeah, that's, it's fine. That's the, the way whole to look thing, at it. The whole thing is fine. Um, God, what else is on the docket for us? John oh, Gilmore and Letieri. Yeah, up, John Gil- Let's, um, we'll start with, with Letieri because he's kind of the easier of the two, right? Letieri? 
We'll start yeah, with Thierry. Uh, I see. I think I said Lettieri because I'm an idiot. Uh, You're Italian. You should be able to nail this one. Lettieri, Vincent. Oh, hey, yeah, it's me. Making the pepperoni pizza over here. The, the oven. Jesus Christ. Your mother. She is so sick. <laughs> I don't she's think so, Italians say Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. She's so annoyed. No, it was, uh, my father's was always Jesus H Christ. Jesus H. Christ. Which I've never. I, I've never. Where does the H come from? I don't know. I've I've wondered that my whole life. When I was a kid, I was like, "Was it Hallelujah?" Like, what is Jesus? Like, what? Well, I don't. Yeah, I don't know what it is. It's an. I don't know what it is. This is fantastic, though, because because the uh, the Wikipedia is is typically uttered in anger, surprise, or frustration. Okay, nobody seems to know where the fuck this comes from. So now we're talking about Mark Twain now? Is that what this is? I have no idea. Anyway, um, yes, Letary. Uh, he's kind of been a quadruple-A player for the New York Rangers, and I can't pin down what the difference is between him and like a normal player who is going to take that next step. He's not old, 24. Every time he goes to the AHL, like he has 46 points in 44 games. He's dominant, absolutely dominant down there. 18 NHL games this year. 18, Mike. Mm. You know how many points he has? How many points? Fucking zero. As many as you and I do. What line was he playing on, Joe? Well, yeah, sure, but you'd think that he'd get something. I'd think he'd get something. I, think I mean, he had, what line was he on last year? Well, that's that's like five points like, in nineteen game. I just don't. I don't understand how you you could be that good in the AHL and not get a sniff of anything in the NHL. Go ahead. Well, that's that's the thing. A great example is a guy who he played a little bit with this season is Peter Holland. Peter Holland was a first round draft pick at one point. He has never been able to stick in the NHL. You put him in the AHL, he's the best player in whatever team he's on. There are some guys that just. There's that, maybe it's a mental thing, maybe it's a, a speed and strength thing, maybe it's a skill thing where, for whatever reason, what they do in the American League just does not translate to the show. And looking at Vinny's numbers, and, you know, he, he had a hat trick, uh, you know, on the 10th uh, against Hershey, and I think he has, right now, he has 11 goals in his last 15 games in Hartford, and, you know, since he's been down there, he's been... He's just been a he's just been a beast. Like I think he had, you know, because I've been paying a lot closer attention to uh, the Rangers prospects with the weekly call or weekly, you know, post I do with uh, the Rangers radar and specifically looking at trends and production and stuff. And you know, he had like a ten shot game against Springfield, and he had back to back six shot games on the tenth and thirteenth of this month. Um, you know, he's he's had a couple of four or five goals game streaks in terms of goals scored in games so like he's just he's really really good at the AHL like there's no other way to put it and right now there's he's not playing with anyone else who's terribly good so he's the star of the team in terms of you know Hartford of course the other star of the team is the other guy we called up John Gilmore but we'll talk about him in a second why Vinny can't make that splash at the NHL level is you know he's 5'11 he's undersized um He's a physical guy, and I think, you know, he's. It, I think it's very hard when you're a little, you know, work your ass off sort of guy. You're a maximum effort guy in the AHL, and it makes a huge impact. You get to create offensive chances for yourself because you work so hard. But when you're playing just bigger, better, more skilled players in the NHL, all of a sudden, I think you're working hard just to fulfill that role. And it's it's asking too much to also be able to guy who generates offense. But I should say, like, Letary is generates shots in the, like at the NHL level. He's a guy who just is not afraid to shoot, and that's not a bad thing. But his game is very much meat and potatoes. You know, it's just... Just some know, potatoes and meat. Yeah, whereas, you know, you, you'd like to see him play in a way where you get to, you know, a little bit of what we see in Hartford, which is a guy who's just, he's more than just a guy who throws it on net. You know, he's a guy who will, will make moves. He'll go, he'll get creative. He'll, he'll, you know, rip one timers. He's a guy who does a little bit more and in, you know, while he does it, you know, he, he, he agitates, but he never goes over the line. But at the NHL level, he just seems like a guy who's, who's just a little five eleven little bowling ball, just trying to knock people over and, 
doesn't get the offense there, I don't think we'll see it anytime soon, which at this point means we'll probably never see it at the NHL level, which is a real shame. But in the meantime, he's exactly what you want in terms of a guy to be there in Hartford to give that team something to build around. Because the next couple of years we need, there needs to be some kids there who have someone to rely on, depend on. He'll create space for guys. That's what he's going to do. Um, it's just a, it's, it's, I'm glad he's getting the, the call up here, frankly, because he's earned it. And that's an important message for this organization is that if you play this hard and you play that well, you know, for the farm team, you're going to get a call. And now if, if you don't mind to, to hop over to, to Gilmore, Joe, the Gilmore thing is by all means, hop so away. much, so much more fascinating to me because as you and I both know, he's a pending UFA, Joe, that Johnny Gilmore and the other thing about John Gilmore is that he's scoring like a madman. He's scoring like an absolute goddamn 20 madman. goals, 33 assists, yeah. 53 points in 66 games. I it's mean, insane. It's insane. Last, and with the Rangers shitty last defense, season, he was he an all-star call up last season. He was an all-star with six goals and 20 assists this season. I mean, he's shooting at 12.3%. Um, but it, and he, you know, he's, he's already, you know, cracked his career best for power play goals. Um, in a season, but the thing that's just, it just jumps off, you know, you know, when you look at it, just look at his player page on the NHL.com, you look at his numbers and then you say like, why is this guy not in the NHL? We see it. I see it every day in the the comments at Blue Shirt Banner, you know, why the hell is this team not giving, you know, Gilmore an opportunity? And I think part of it is because he plays the wrong side in terms of opportunities with this team or rather the opportunity to get the call up because he is a lefty he's also not a young guy he's also on an expiring contract but joe when we talk about guys who just are crushing it at the ahl level john gilmore is 20 goals and 33 points and that leads all defensemen in the ahl in points by a margin of four I he definitely deserves to be called up. I'll put it that way. I mean, you can say he's you know is maybe the luckiest shooter in the league right now, but he's also an outstanding skater. He also had pretty solid underlying numbers, if I recall, from uh, his time up at the NHL last season. I mean, for a little while there, it was you know who do you like more, Gilmore or Pionk? Remember, it wasn't that long ago we were talking about that. I don't. I really. I would love to know what Pionk did to be the guy. In general, D'Angelo Gilmore, like last year, Gilmore showed that he should have absolutely gotten a cup of tea with the New York Rangers this year. He was he was fine last yeah, year. Yeah, which made the it made a lot of the decisions the the team made a little more. You know, I mean, like there was a, a, enough reasons to to question you know the McQuaid deal, but that that aspect of it was was particularly surprising um, because Gilmore was a guy who. I mean, I don't know what more he really has to do, uh, you know, to kind of say like, yeah, you know, I can be, I can be a guy who sticks around. And now the real question is they're calling him up, which is all well and good. Right. But like, uh, does it matter? Kind that of, much well, now? and I mean, that's, are you going to use the final games to kind of figure out what you have? Because I made this point on Twitter, the Rangers should give Gilmore what they've given Pionk, put him on the top line, sink or swim, go out, let's go dangle it do whatever you need to do he's not and, a kid though and well he's you know what he's not a kid but he is a free agent and if there is a defenseman in there who can kind of float around the next couple of years the rangers very well may need him because bridging the gap from where they are now to the miller and lundquist's time it's not oh, easy I, I feel like re-signing i want to make this clear re-signing gilmore to like you you know there are guys in organizations who you pay them well to play in the ahl the Rangers um, need all the help in the AHL. They can and, get. like, you know, you do that for a couple guys. And, like, you pay those guys well to be like, hey, listen, you know, like, uh, a good, good example of a guy is someone like a Cole Schneider. You know, you just say, like, listen, we want you to be the guy who the kids play around. Uh, we're going to we're gonna give you, you know, a good contract for where you are in your career. And those guys are normally happy to take it. The, th- the tricky thing with Gilmore is that he's 25. He might be considering, like, listen, I, I scored fucking 20 goals in 60 games this year like as a defenseman on maybe as, the worst as a AHL team ever like there will be another team 
another organization that will give him a contract. Oh, and, and there's probably him, we're going to give you a chance. So. That's what I was going to say. That there is a team that will give him not only money, not only the big fat moolah, but Michael, but an opportunity yeah. to play in the NHL. And that's that's why I think the Rangers need to do their due diligence here because really, if you spend one of your, you know, if you take one of the contracts you have to play with, if you're Jeff Gordon, and you use it to keep around a guy who might never enter the NHL. But he's going to score the way that John Gilmore can score at the AHL level. That'll be a contract and money well spent for the organization. Because you have a guy like that, you get to you think of what a guy like that would mean to young players. The Rangers draft working on the power play in Hartford, where they have a competent power play quarterback, a guy with a big shot they can use, a guy who can skate like the wind, like Gilmore can, like. That's worth something. That's worth a lot to a team that recognizes what it is. And it's really, you know, it's really strange that we find ourselves with this being really the first opportunity he has, um, given how well he's played. But and like you, you know, we mentioned Pionk. It's a, it's kind of crazy, right? It's kind of crazy to think of how their paths, you know, diverged from where we were around this time last year. It was really not that long ago where it felt like, you know, who did you like more? And you know, judging by I think the eye test, Pionk maybe looked a little better, but you know, I think a lot of that really had to do with the fact that he played the right side and also the fact that, you know, he had better size I think than than Gilmore, although not by much. Really. And he's got hustle. And I mean, that's a really honest to God, a big thing. We've kind of discussed Yeah, that this. helps with the eye test in a big it, way, it will, doesn't it? Well, and it helps with David Quinn, because David Quinn absolutely demands all-out hustle. And, yeah, well, Pionk um, is, they're both six foot, I should clarify, but like uh, Gilmore, I feel like is just, he, he, I think he appears smaller because he's just more mobile and he's like a little water bug. Whereas Pionk, I feel, bug. is a little bit more I don't know. It's a funny thing what the eye test can do to you, which is why it's often so unreliable, right? Is one person can see like, oh, no, I thought he had a great game. The person next to you who could be just as knowledgeable, has watched just as many games, could say, oh, no, I thought he, he played pretty bad. Well, that, that's what it's come down to. There's yeah. a, it, I put out a question on Twitter, like a poll, I think a week ago. Yeah. Asking, and let me see if I can actually find it so I can give you guys the actual numbers. But it was based off of a question that we got in Off the Post, which was if the New York Rangers were given an opportunity to sign either or or neither of Pionk and D'Angelo to like a five year, $15 million deal, um, would you? Like, would you say yes to, you know, one or the other? And I, I, I'm going to go off of, oh, here we go. So I said, New York question, uh, or New York Rangers question, if you could lock up D'Angelo and slash or Pionk to a five-year, $15 million deal, would you do it? 10% said no to both. 24% said yes to both. This, this is what I find interesting. 4% mm. said Pionk only. 62% said D'Angelo only. And there was over 1,600 voters, it looks like. So there is definitely, at the very least, an understanding of, oh, D'Angelo is the better player. I mean, by far and away, 62% of people, really, if actually, if you include yes to both, I mean, 86% of people want D'Angelo signed of the 100%. Um, but it, it just, like, this is, Pionk is what he is. And the whole point of this season was to figure that out. We needed that answer. We needed to know what he was. We needed to know if he was worth a long-term investment. We needed to know if the New York Rangers were in a position where they were going to want to keep him long-term. And the answer is no. As hard as that it's to say, the answer is no. And the greatest trick that Pionk ever pulled was convincing everybody that the answer is otherwise. And again, we're not trying to shit all over a kid. We're not trying to shit all over uh, this. Like The argument about ages, has, it's just coming back again and again from the, the moronic corners of Twitter. A good general manager knows, even if a guy is 24 years old, if there's something there or not. And that's not to insinuate that Neil Pion cannot find a home someplace as a third-pairing one-way defenseman. It's just that that probably should not happen in New York. 
The the guy is twenty two points. Not when you have in, this in many young. No, D. right, and yeah. not even good young D. I, I I mean, I'm looking at his game logs, and there is so many zeros. The For past guy, two yeah. or three months. Hey, he had a goal the other night, though. He did, and, and like there's moments where Pion can pull that little spinorama, and he'll do something amazing, and you're like, fuck. That guy's awesome. He doesn't real like D'Angelo is miles away the better defenseman. Miles if, away. If this was three on three hockey all the time, he he's your guy. He's your guy. But miles uh, away. If you can only keep one of them, you better keep D'Angelo. You have to. Is you could argue if it's three on three hockey, you don't need to play a defenseman. That's the other part of it. Like he's he's looks great for a defenseman with open ice and opportunities like that. But I mean the. The projects people do, you know, for zone exits and zone entries with, you know, Schneider's work and everything, like, it really just reaffirmed so much of what we already knew and already had seen and believed. And it goes beyond what you'll see on Natural Stat Trick. It goes beyond just what you'll see if you just look at, you know, someone's game log on NHL.com or, you know, whatever you know site you use for the, the, your, your basic counting stats. Like, Pionk is just not terribly good the points came when he was on the first power play because of course they were going to come if you put d'angelo there the points will come for him if you put shattenkirk there they should come for him and and, shattenkirk is the unluckiest person on the planet yeah he might um whereas pionk in early in the season much like brett howden were really lucky really fortunate in terms of what their production looked like compared to their play and what impact they had on the Rangers and the shot share and opportunities. And I know not everyone subscribes to that stuff. That's okay. But this is... These are good indicators of performance. Um, that's why we give them weight. That's why we consider them. That's why we talk about them. Things like expected goals. You know, Things like how, how, much, how much offense does the other team have while you're on the ice? It looks awful when Neil Pionk is on the ice. And early on, we were saying how much of that has to do with him being with Mark Stahl. And lately, I've seen Pionk with Stahl back on the ice. And that is just like, okay, well, what exactly is the objective here for Lindy Ruff and this defense? And I, I really don't know what they're trying to figure out with, with Pionk that they don't already know. And that's it can be frustrating, Joe, but also, like, I, I, I don't fault them for trying to really figure out what they have in the kit. I just feel like they might be a little stubborn in regards to saying there's more there, there's more there, give them this opportunity, give them that opportunity, playing with him when they didn't do that for so long for D'Angelo and Shattenkirk this season. And that was... That's just... It's the damnedest thing. And this isn't even including in the conversation... You know, John Gilmore, who, of course, you know, he plays the left side, so it's it's a slight, it's a slightly different animal, that conversation. But it's it's still valid, because we're talking about opportunity. We're talking about ice time. You know, there's 60 minutes of, of hockey in every game, at least. And when you're a team like the Rangers, you got to give that ice time to guys who are not just going to help you win, but for the long haul, guys who are going to play a role in this organization. And I feel like, like you said, we know what Pionk is right now. I don't think... If the Rangers thought back in November that he would have dramatically improved his de- defensive game, you know, by this time, I-, I would have been really alarmed to have heard that. But I, I don't know what exactly they're doing there. The roundabout answer on this one too is what the Rangers need to do to Pion, or excuse me, to Gilmore right now is what they've done with Pionk and D'Angelo. You figure out what you have in a guy. And they're going to have to make a decision on him. Like Mike said, he's an unrestricted free agent. There's going to be money out there from other teams. So the Rangers should have no issues if he proves that he deserves a spot to fucking give him a spot next year. Keandre Miller is probably not coming over. Niles Lundquist is definitely not coming over. The the Rangers don't. A lot of the defensive help that the Rangers are hoping to have or will have, it's coming in the back half of the year. And by uh, not the back half of the year, it's coming in the next couple of years, back half of the rebuild. So just got to be dealt with. 
That's all. Uh, we have a million questions, so we should probably head on over to that. I would like to say Aiden Gaspar, Alex Gardner, Armael Kistner, Andre Chicagoff, Anthony Viola, Arch Williams, Bob Kawa, Chris B., Chris Habibi, Chris O'Connor, Dan Carosi, Daniel DeGem, Danny Santiago, David L. Singer, Eric Cohn, Eric Carlson, Fancy Lawrence, Gabriel Vargas, 50, Igor Zatlovsky, James Dangles, John Reppy, Johnny Alo, uh, Joshua Zarkin, Keith Franchillo, Guy from Montana, Michael Silvers, Mike Offit, Panerwin2020, Stink Fleeman, Tall Guy Robert, Thomas Osa, and Trevor Kepner. Thank you all for donating. You guys are better than the other people if, who do not if donate. If you're someone who has given us your address... Yes, you should have our sweet, sexy you stickers. You should have gotten stickers by now. If you haven't gotten stickers, uh, shoot us an email on the Patreon or poke me on Twitter, and I'll see if I could figure it out. Yeah, put it, you know... Soon, sooner rather than later, we'll also be doing the mugs for those uh, who got mugs. We yes, sent out our first experimental you, mug, you, and you get mugs. it looks pretty good. So we're going to be doing that really soon. So you, keep an eye out for mug, that as well, don't you? You want a fucking mug? I think I'm going to give myself a mug. I work pretty hard. Well, I want a mug too. Then if we're just giving out mugs, if we're just giving away mugs. I mean, have you earned it? I think I have. I'll take this whole fucking podcast and throw it into the ground. That's what I'll do. <laughs> Is that what you want? You know, just pile driving to the ground. Yeah, it'll just turn into a porn podcast. That's what it'll Ooh. turn into. Just you and me just slapping Your mom chests. listens to this. You better watch your filthy uh, Sometimes. Mouth. She might not watch. She's probably not going to listen to this one, to be completely honest with you. Uh, the support that I get comes from myself. That's why. Wow. Um, wow. What else was I going to say? Uh, and then we actually may have a uh, fun little game coming up for our patrons. Yeah. I found a, uh, a very special drawing that Mike did when he was younger, and uh, we might be turning that into some collectible stickers, so be be ready for that. Um, Thank you all for listening. We will see you on the flagship show. Thank you for listening to this breaking news masterpiece. Johnny Alo, or Johnny Alo, Johnny Moore, take it away.